They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. My name is Shane Pruitt. I'm the National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. And always with me is my, my brother, my partner, Paul Wooster, who's our National Collegiate Director at the North American Mission Board. What's up, Paul? What's going on, Shane? I am super pumped about this episode because it's a person, an author, that I actually read his books when I was in college and I've been applying the principles ever since, and I've even adapted and taught people, probably hundreds of people, some of these principles like the impact list, how to have a list of people that you're praying for every day and trying to share the gospel with it. Some people call it the Holy Ghost hit list, okay? you know. Um, but, but that's I've been teaching, applying that, and teaching people that for years, and we've seen so much fruit. So I'm super pumped to jump into this episode. Absolutely. I as well, Paul. Um, And yeah, so many of his principles that we even utilize in our efforts at the North American Mission Board with Who's Your One? Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of those same principles. And so today, truly, friends, we have a living legend on the Next Gen on Mission podcast as we talk about reaching and discipling Gen Z. And our guest today is none other than a man who has really just been a gift to us, more importantly, a gift to the kingdom and has really just blessed us through his teaching, his writing, and then how he just personally encourages you and I, Paul, so much. And so friends, today we want to welcome Mark Metalberg to the to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. Mark is a best-selling author, executive director of the Lee Strobel Center for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics at, Col- at Colorado Christian University. Um, so much we could say about him. He's an author, um, has just written so many books, a, a great communicator, a content developer, creator, an encourager, father, husband, all the way around. But Mark, welcome to the Next Gen on Mission podcast, my friend. Wow. Th- thanks for that introduction. I'm afraid to say anything or I'll screw it up from this point. But uh, <laughs> no, I really am honored to be on with you guys. And uh, I, I've been, you know, we're like social media friends and I've been watching you guys uh, and what you're doing. And I, I just am thrilled with how God is using you guys, uh, reaching next gen people and leaders. And, and, and ha- as we watch the video, I see, you know, you got your whole family there, Shane. So that's cool. Too. <laughs> hey, that's true, Mark. Yeah. It, you know, uh, so, you know, many of you listen on podcasts, um, and so you get the audio, but if you get the YouTube version, you got to see a couple of my kids jump in on the screen with us. So they're joining us as well. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, awesome, Mark. Hey, well, thank you so much for being on. And uh, Mark, hey, before we get too spiritual, um, we want to ask you, what is something we need to know about Mark that we may not already know? Give us a one fun fact, interesting fact about you. Uh, I'll give you two. Uh, one is when I first came to faith, uh, the, the church I was part of was so traditional. It was really hard to invite friends to it at that time. Um, they just didn't relate to the music and so forth. So I started promoting Christian rock concerts. And wow. I mean, this is like eons ago. So, you know, there's this new movie coming out about 
your CCM people. I know a bunch of those people. And, uh, you know, really it was an adventure bringing in all these Christian rock bands that my church did not understand. And the, even the Christian radio station was condemning me for what I was doing, but, but it was early pioneer, you know, missionary work to try to reach people in my generation uh, with a new kind of music that was happening. Uh, the other thing I would tell you is I, I'm into mountain biking. Oh, so wow. if that's interesting, I, I, I'm not quite as courageous and adventurous as I once was. Uh, I, I ride on safer trails these days, but I love getting out there. And where I live in Colorado, I often encounter bears while I'm out. And oh, keeps it pretty exciting. <laughs> I've yeah. seen some of those YouTube videos of a bear or a mountain lion chasing down a biker. And that's, have you ever had that happen? I have not been chased, but I tell you what, the black bears in my neighborhood, I see them from the car and they look pretty impressive. But when you see them on a bike, they look three times bigger. <laughs> yeah. but, but I'll tell you, there's actually an analogy here for what we're going to talk about. And that is part of why bike riding for me is an adventure is because there's a little element of danger and risk. And I really, I'm bored if I don't see anything. I love it when I see a uh, and I have seen bobcats and coyotes and foxes and uh, uh, and bears. I've only seen mountain lions from my car, thankfully. Nice. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. But that that element of danger makes it exciting. And I think a lot of Christians live boring, mechanical, routine Christian lives because they're not adding a little element of risk to share their faith with the people around them, which turns it into an exciting spiritual adventure of serving God and having the Holy Spirit speak through you and impact lives. And so I hope we can ignite all of our listeners and help them ignite all of their people they lead to add those elements of risk and realize there's no adventure like the adventure of sharing our faith and reaching people for Christ. Mm, I love Amen. That. Yeah. And I think this generation is ready for that. They're, they're wanting to go on an adventure to change the world and even talking about your history with Christian music and the, the rocket, Christian rock and roll, it's kind of this whatever it takes mindset is we're get, we don't mind breaking a few rules that aren't real biblical rules. If we're going to, if, if we're going to reach like, like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Jesus <laughs> broke a ton of rules. Yeah. He was willing to get out of the box and Mark, Mark chapter seven. You know, why do you set aside the commandments of God to keep your traditions? He was willing to break apart traditions in order to do new things to spread the kingdom of God. And we just want to follow that. Amen. Wow. Love that. And that's our heart for this podcast is we want to see Generation Z specifically unleashed to expand the gospel. So we always start with this question. What do we need to know about Generation Z? You know, I'm going to kind of break the mold on this one because I, th there are so many studies about you know, Gen Z does this and millennials do that. And they like it. And, and you know, they have it like down to the science and my approach on this is that we're all a whole lot more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. And uh, this goes back to when I did some overseas ministry work early on. And uh, we, we had all these classes and they kept telling us how people in Europe and where I was going to London, you know, they, they think differently and they don't, and you got to learn the culture. And they, and they had me so like 
worked up like, like, man, these are aliens over here that I'm going to talk. And then I get there and guess what? They're people. And they, uh, and they, you know, have the same concerns and desires and, and fears. And, and again, I'm not denying that there are some nuances and differences, but, but I think bottom down, people want love. They want fulfillment. They want purpose. They, they ultimately want to know what, what their destiny is and why in the why on earth they're on this planet, and those are the same age-old questions people have asked for millennia, uh, and they're answered in scripture. And so, I generally go with the spirit of saying, you know, we got a whole lot in common here. Mm. And yeah, I'm, I'm a little older now, but uh, I still like rock and roll. And uh, I, um, I think we can connect on lots of levels and ultimately on a spiritual level because we're all sinners who need a savior and mm. good news. He's available and he not only wants Man. to forgive you, he wants to put your life on a mission and uh, he wants to use you to make a difference. And man, we can all connect around that. Yeah, I love that, Mark. And I completely agree with you. I think a lot of times uh, we overthink it. Like we overthink it so much that we forget the basics. And so I love how fired up you are just about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. So would you share a little bit briefly about your story and where that passion comes from? Yeah, I, I I was told once by a, Christ, a well-known Christian leader that part of what saved me was my backslidden era and the fact that I worked in the marketplace and stuff before I came back to Christ. But I was uh, raised in a Baptist church, and, and you'll be shocked to know I backslid. I mean, I, I don't know if any other Baptists have ever experienced <laughs> never that. Never happens, never happens. No, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, around junior high, really started getting a little rebellious and going my own way and got it, it got pretty far. And all through high school, I was not known as a Christian. I mean, I still went to church quietly and I tried to keep my two worlds apart from each other, not very successfully. Um, but I was living a, a life kind of apart from Christ, even though I never quit believing it intellectually. And then at age 19, I was working in a stereo shop, which was like, I thought it was the coolest place in town. I mean, it was awesome. We had these things called records. Yeah. (laughs) I used to try to explain to young people, they're like big black CDs, but now no one knows what a CD is. Yeah, yeah. Just look it up in a history book or something. But we had just the coolest sound systems and, you know, we'd crank them up and uh, this was 70s rock, you know, blow your hair back like the Maxwell commercial. I don't know if anyone remembers that. But but I was having fun. I was partying with all the people I worked with. I I live in large, I thought. And uh, a guy I had known, this was a year out of high school. I was 19. And a guy I had known named Terry from high school came in uh, one day, pretended he was interested in car stereos for a minute or two, but we got in the little car stereo booth and then he, he, he let his purpose for coming in start to come out. And he said, Mark, I got to ask you something. And I said, yeah, what's that, Terry? And he goes, are you really a Christian? I'm oh. like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, what about it, Terry? And it's sort of like, keep your voice down. I don't want my partying, you know, mm-hmm. workmates to hear me talking about God stuff here. Okay. But yeah, yeah I'm a Christian. <laughs> what about it, Terry? He said, well, I, I just don't get you. You know, you claim to be a Christian. Yeah, I know you do this and you go to this place and you're, you know, he, he's going through this bullet point list of my life. <laughs> and, 
And I just, I just looked at him and I didn't know what to say, but I said, well, I, Terry, I guess I'm a cool Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we, we're, we have more fun. We don't get all hung up on all the rules and details and stuff. And yeah, I believe in God, but I'm, I'm enjoying my life too. So he goes, a cool Christian, huh? And I said, yeah. He goes, you know, there's a term for that. And I said, no, really? What's that? And he said, hypocrite. Oh, 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 oh yes. Oh, it's like, and, and so what do, you, what do you do when someone gets in your face? You challenge them back, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I let them have, I, like, Terry, you, you're so self-righteous. You think you your life's perfect and you've got it all together. Mm-hmm. He looked me in the eye. He said, of course not, but I'm honest about it. And I'm mm-hmm. not pretending to be something I'm not like you are. It's like, wow. ouch. All right. Uh, goodbye. And he leaves and I'm mad. I'm walking around. Who the heck does this guy think? <laughs> and, uh, and, but then I started to think more that anger started to turn to reflection. I'm realizing he, the reason I'm so mad is because I know he's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could quote Bible verses. I mean, I, I, I passed my tests, you know, in Sunday school and all that. And, uh, so I knew he was right. And, but get this, that confrontation turned to anger, turned to reflection, and a few days later turned to repentance. And about a week after Terry gave me that challenge, I made a real commitment to Christ uh, at age 19 and just said to God, I, I give you my life and I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. I don't want to pretend to be a Christian. I want to go all in. I want to be for real. Take me where you want to take me. Use me however you want to use me. And he did. And I mean, he immediately infused in me an evangelistic passion. I mean, later that week, I was sharing Christ with coworkers. Wow. Um, within a few weeks, I had the privilege of leading the cashier of the electronics store to Christ. And then Amazing. a few weeks after that, a gal named Peggy, whose story I tell in the Contagious Faith book that we're going to talk about. So it was just like, if I'm going to be serious about following Christ, I can't keep this to myself. Mm. And so I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never been through a contagious faith class or anything. Um, but I just started trying and God honored that and started using it. And I started seeing people come to Christ. And that then was the trajectory. I started running into people that would argue with me. And then I started learning apologetics and uh, eventually got training in those areas. And so now I just, my whole life is apologi- well, evangelism first and apologetics. Mm. That is so good. I love that the risk factor, you know, we already mentioned this before, but your friend, Terry, right? He came in and you, you don't, you wouldn't have read that in a evangelism training manual. Like, yeah. don't tell your friend that he's a hypocrite, you know, yeah. <laughs> but he, the Holy Spirit can lead people to do amazing, you know, crazy things. And, and even boldness, that's something I, I talk about a lot because it's not something that's uh high value really that we talk about a lot in Christian American Christian circles anyway, is the need to be direct and to be bold when it's appropriate. Um, so man, I love that. I think that is so, it actually reminded me of the guy that led DL Moody to Christ. He kind of walked by Mm -hmm. the store multiple times, getting the, getting the courage up and then just went in and had that awkward conversation. And next thing you know, DL Moody was the, this evangelist. So man, that's inspiring me. Um, but one thing, Mark, you, you have this zeal and passion that's kind of grown and you've developed over time. One thing that I really admire about you is you're not just an evangelist yourself. 
you're trying to equip and inspire church leaders, pastors, youth pastors, anyone you can to lead their ministries to be evangelistically effective. So my question would be, what are some keys to an evangelistically effective church or youth ministry or college ministry? Yeah, I actually, uh, in a, in a, a different book called Becoming a Contagious Church, I talk about this. I, I have a six-stage strategy for any ministry, youth ministry, church, to become more evangelistic. And the number one point I make is it starts with us. Hmm. Um, you, you aren't going to, you yeah. know, the old thing is people don't do what you say, they do what you do. Right, and right. No matter how good of a teacher you are, uh, you know, ultimately, as Lee Strobel puts it, ultimately, the leader sets the high watermark for what his ministry is going to do, or her ministry is going mm-hmm. to do in terms of evangelism, people generally aren't going to rise above the level that you set. So set your level right. higher, and then your ministry can go higher. Yeah. And so I just talk about that honestly. And I say, you know, most of us got into ministry in part because we wanted to see people come to Jesus. That's right. But ministry has a way of sucking that passion out of us because we are so busy you know, working with believers and, you know, they, they say the squeak, squeaky wheel gets the oil. And in most of our ministries, the squeaky wheels are Christians who want yeah. more attention, more teaching, more help, more coaching, more, you know, babysitting or whatever they need. And, uh, and some of that's obviously super important and, and we right. have to do it, but the people out there that Christ called us to be witnesses to, to go into that world and reach are not the squeaky wheels. You know, they're not going to call your youth ministry and go, Hey, you know, I, I'm a lost kid. You know, why don't you ever help me? They don't do that. Um, that's why Jesus put the initiative on us in the great commission. The first word is go and the audience was us. And so as disciples of Jesus, we're the ones that have to initiate, you know, get ourselves prepared, get out there, take risks for the sake of the gospel. And when we do, he will, you know, lo, I will be with you always, Jesus said. And the Holy Spirit is in us to uh, lead us and open our eyes to opportunities and to inspire what we say and to speak through us. He, he'll he more than meet us in the middle when we get our toes in the water of sharing our faith. Yeah, I love that, Mark. And I agree. And, you know, kind of in that same vein, you know, I feel like especially with a lot of like next gen leaders that Paul and I, you know, work with and talk with, sometimes uh, they leaders almost kind of break themselves into two camps, right? There's like the evangelism guys and then the discipleship guys. And sometimes we like put evangelism and discipleship against one another. Like it's the blood and like the bloods and crypts, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, no, no, we just focus on evangelism. Others like, no, just discipleship. Um, and so would you talk about evangelism and discipleship and how that works together? Yeah, would you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, if, if I can use a pagan simple symbol here, it's it's yin and yang. I mean, uh-huh. mm-hmm. two fish yeah. that are yeah. Swirling. I mean, they they both feed off of each other and fuel each other, and one without the other is 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 in, in, you know isn't going to work. Um, and and what I you know this has become more and more clear to me that you know. A lot of what I do, I do personal evangelism, but usually when I speak at churches and conferences and events and podcasts and so on, I'm not usually speaking myself to non-believers. I mostly am discipling Christians 
in the area that is most missing from most discipleship programs. And that is the part about sharing your faith. You have not made a real disciple if you haven't taught them how to share their faith. And if you're a discipler that doesn't share your faith yourself, you're a crippled discipler. You're you're missing part. That's right. So full or biblical discipleship must include this critical element of how to share the gospel, how to initiate relationships and spiritual conversations and, and so forth. And if we leave that part out of discipleship, you're, it's incomplete. It's, it's deficient. So now, on the other hand, if all we do is get people to pray a prayer of commitment and then don't get them into a discipleship plan, um, then we're stopping short of what our whole mission is, is more evangelism types as well. Um, But I do want to say one more thing. This may be helpful, especially to the more evangelistic, zealous types among us. And this was advice given to me by a mentor many years ago. We've got to be careful to view this. This is all part, you know, this yin-yang thing, um, Mm -hmm. Christianized version. Um, (laughs) Sanctified version of you. This is the mission of the church. This is the Great Commission, Mm -hmm. and it's a team effort. So uh, if if I made Shane Pruitt stop every time he leads 30 people to Christ at some event that I read about on Twitter later that night, if I made you say, now, wait, Shane, you know, and I start shaming you, you, you know, you led the, you led them to faith. Now you got to set up camp in that town and disciple mm-hmm. them at least for six or eight weeks. Well, guess what happens? We've shut off the faucet on evangelism. Yep. And so um, yeah. don't burden your, your real evangelism zealots with doing it all themselves. Uh, I view it as uh, these are these are children that you've helped bring into the world. You can naturally parent them if you're like called to be a discipler and the whole thing. But most of us that are evangelist types, we're called to bring those spiritual children into the world and then hook them up for adoption yeah. with a spiritual discipler type who has more of the shepherding, teaching, pastoral those kinds of gifts, so that those of us more on the cutting edge of outreach are more liberated to keep doing what we're doing, what both you and uh, Shane and Paul do so well. That's awesome, Mark. And I love that. And and that really is utilizing the body of Christ together and using different spiritual gifts together. But it's ironic, and Paul and I have talked about this before with, uh, you mentioned like some of the social media posts, is sometimes like if I'll post Hey, two people gave their life to Jesus. Uh, like no one ever challenges that. If it's like thirty or a hundred people, it's like, well, who's going to disciple them? I hope they understood. You know, it's almost like if you share, like God did something big. It's yeah. like people, some people can't handle that. You know, mentally. Yeah. Well, it's like those deficient disciples in Acts two. You know, they lead three thousand people to Christ. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how good of a job could they do with when you got a church of about a dozen and you're going to disciple three thousand? And it would be easy to apply that same principle and shame uh, those, you know, the early church members, especially Peter, who caused the problem by preaching, Um, rather than (laughs) saying, praise God, the the Holy Spirit that led him into the faith can help them grow. And it's clear he did because the church exploded from that point. And again, that's not to let us off the hook. Again, uh, I'm equally passionate about natural parenting and adoption when it comes to spiritual. Amen. The crime right. we have to avoid is abandoning a child. Yes. And so we, we can't do that. But 
what I've found is most of the fellowships I'm in, there's a whole lot more people oriented to, to the discipleship part, you know, that we normally think of. So, man, if I can keep a pipeline of new believers going into the, the fellowship and then others can disciple them, that frees us all up to our spiritual gifts and our areas of passion. Um, so I think that's important. Amen. But again, I, I will look any discipler in the eye and say, if you're not teaching them how to share their faith, you're not forming complete disciples. That's so good. Yeah, I see that is like, we want to equip everyone and but it's it's a team sport. And so ministry evangelism is a team sport. And some people play certain positions like Shane will get up and lead a bunch of people to Christ. But we all could, especially ministry leaders, we we don't need to just think personal evangelism, but also how do how do we get the evangelism systems humming and moving in our churches, in our ministries. And so can you say anything to that kind of thinking through the different types of evangelism and how that plays into a ministry strategy? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's a value that just has to be constantly inculcated into any church and any youth ministry. Because, you know, the old thing is, you know, vision leaks, and and I always say, if if vision generally leaks, then evangelistic passion gushes. I mean, it you know it's <laughs> like true. a bucket with huge holes because mm-hmm. people can be super fired up about evangelism, and two weeks later, it's like you know what have you done for me lately? You know, and it's yeah. like um, <laughs> yeah. so we have to constantly be um, you know firing up the troops and reminding them. You know, and one of the things I always say, and others have said this as well, is that, you know, this is what Jesus left us on this planet for. You know, we, uh, most of the things we do in fellowship with other believers, we will do for all of eternity, including fellowship with other believers, um, learning more about God and his word. That doesn't end. We're not going to be omniscient in heaven. We, right. I think we're going to keep learning and growing. Mm-hmm. Worship, yeah. I mean, we're going to have incredible worship services in heaven. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's going to be amazing. But, but those are all things we'll do in eternity. The one thing we can do here that we can't do there is reach lost people for Christ. Wow. Right. What a word. So, yeah. yeah, we have this, we have this uh, little short season and then the trumpet's going to yeah. blow and it's over. And yeah. so, you know, just stewardship of our opportunity tells us we've got to put a priority on evangelism, on reaching lost people. So, Paul, back to your question, I think it starts with saying, even if we don't know what we're doing, even if we do it wrong, we are going to keep trying. We are going to make this a priority. Uh, we are, as I heard a pastor once say, you know, we've been in evangelistic neutral for too long. We're not going to be in evangelistic neutral anymore. Mm. And it was sort of fighting words, you know. It yes. was like, uh, he even went on to say, if you like evangelistic neutral, there's a hundred other churches in our town that like evangelistic neutral. <laughs> oh, there. <laughs> Let's go. He said, this church isn't going to be for evangelistic neutral anymore. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go for broke well i think we have to have that tenacious almost a fighting spirit Mm -hmm, because we're fighting a spiritual battle of spiritual complacency and you know christian self-centeredness and we've got to get eyes back out on the the mission field of you know what god's called us to do and prioritize that not just in word but in energy and prayer and uh 
resources, actual money. You know, uh, the average church spends 2% on local outreach, but the average highly evangelistic church spends 10% on local outreach. Oh, five, wow. five times That's as eye opening. So it's, it's money spent. It's, it's what rooms will reserve for what. Um, and again, in a youth ministry, it's like, are we always just going to do stuff that kind of the Christian kids like, or are we going to get a vision for the, their schools and their communities and start putting real resources behind stuff that will bring in, uh, you know, the kids that are going to smoke on their way to the door and come in and you're going to find some bottles outside the, you know, all right, then let's, let's take some risks. Let's stretch. Um, let's remind the believers that start getting upset what we're here to do. And I'm preaching. I'm preaching to the choir right now, I think. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, what you reminded me of is actually those uh, memes. You had one job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. good. It's yeah. Good. God writes a meme to the church and says, you had one job. It's the Great Commission. And that's it. <laughs> You're down there having pizza fellowships. <laughs> so one thing we wanted to highlight, which I think goes really with what we were talking about, is your new book, Contagious Faith, and it's written for believers to fire them up to share their faith. So you can can you share a little bit about this book and uh, why you wrote it? Yeah, I'd love to. It's really my life book. It's 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 taking some themes I wrote about way at the beginning of my ministry, but it's a completely reworked new book and version and uh, stories. And the core idea is, you know, it's one thing to say we all need to get in the game, but I know what happens in people's minds. They go, yeah, but I don't have the gift. Uh, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not, uh, I don't have the training. Uh, I'm no Paul Worcester. I'm no Shane Pruitt. Uh, I'm just an ordinary Christian. Those guys have superpowers that I don't have. Um, so I guess I'll just be an ordinary Christian. And I start my book by telling the story about when I went that, that trip to England I mentioned earlier. I was with a great ministry, serving a great church, doing things that were not great for fit for me. Um, I got there and I said, you know, what are we going to do? And they said, uh, so glad you asked. We had this team captain, way overly enthusiastic. He goes, I'm glad you asked. And I'm like, okay. He goes, we're going to go out and we're going to knock on doors of strangers and we're going to tell them about Jesus. It's going to be great. You know, I'm like, simmer down, boy, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I said, okay, that's what we're doing tomorrow. Are we going to do this all day? He goes, all day tomorrow, we're going to do it all summer. And I'm like, oh, man, what did I sign <laughs> up for? Um, and honestly, I mean, I'm an extrovert. I'm a people person, but I'm not some. I don't walk up to strangers at the shopping mall and start, you know, saying, hey, can I just tell you about Jesus real quick? They're going, I'm trying to buy shoes, you know. <laughs> um, and, and we were doing this knocking on doors. And, uh, you know, I remember one woman opened the door about a crack and she said, what do you want? And I said, well, we don't really want anything. We're just from the church on the corner and we're, you know, talking to people about spiritual matters, see if they have questions about the Bible. She said, you have an American accent. And it was like this accusation, you know, I was mm -hmm. like, I said, well, you know, I'm trying to keep a light. I, what a coincidence, you know, I am from America. And then she <laughs> kind of looks out at the door and she says, why don't you go pester people in your own country? Wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that moment, it sounded like a good idea. I wanted to go home, <laughs> find someone to pester yeah. in America. But, but I bring up that story because 
I spent eight weeks doing evangelism in ways that did not fit my God-given personality. And on the flight home, I said to myself, I just said, that's it. I'm done with evangelism. You know, next time someone tries to recruit a bunch of us to do something, I'm just going to go, look, I already did my time. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I viewed it. And I think nine out of 10 of our listeners, nine out of 10 of the students in your youth ministry probably view evangelism in that way. It's for someone else. It's for someone who's good enough to do it well or weird enough to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But it's not me. It's not my deal. And then I came back and I started learning some things at my church. I started seeing that, you know, even in the pages of the Bible, they did evangelism in a variety of ways. And what I kind of the nub of what I learned there, I put into this book and it, there will be a training course out by the end of the year as well uh, on contagious faith. And what we do is we show that there are at least five biblical, uh, what I now call contagious faith styles, mm-hmm. uh, faith sharing styles. And we're not all the same. We're not called to do all the same things. There's all kinds of lost people that need all kinds of Christians to take differing approaches to reach all of them for Christ. And uh, so, and I could go into those if I don't know if we have time, but I'd love to talk about that more. Yeah, Mark, I love that. And I'm so excited about diving into the book and really want to encourage all the listeners to get you a copy of Contagious Faith. And and Mark, it does kind of lead us in to really the heart behind this podcast. Uh, The way we always close our conversation is with this same on mission charge that the heart behind this podcast is really to see the next generation realize they are the now generation, not just the future of the church, but the church right now that they have a mission now. So that really lends to what you're saying that God has created us all to be very different shows how creative God is. And so God saves people that are completely different to go reach people who are completely different. So would you share a little bit about just kind of that closing charge and one practical next step of what it means? To First of all, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I was 19 when I started and yeah. some of my most fruitful days were before I knew what I was doing and God used me as a young man. And our friend Greg Steer loves to talk about how the early disciples were almost all student age. And so, I mean, Christianity is a youth movement. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but yeah, in the book, I I unpack five different styles, the the friendship building, selfless serving, story sharing, reason giving, and truth telling styles. And you can learn more about those by reading Contagious Faith. We actually have a a website, contagiousfaithbook.com, where there's a little questionnaire you can do on your phone or computer to find out which is probably your most likely style. But then you need to read more and learn more about how to apply it. And then what I love, you get a whole youth ministry learning this stuff together. Then they compare and contrast their styles with each other and learn how to work as teams to reach all of their friends and all of their families. And uh, yeah, yeah, so... I want to unleash every believer. You know, we had these ideas out in earlier forms and trained 2 million people around the world. I think every church, every youth ministry needs to help every member learn their evangelistic style and learn how to grow in it and flourish in it. And if we'll do that, I'm telling you, God uses young people in amazing ways. Um, the gospel still works. It's still the power of God unto salvation. Uh, people are dying for our message. Um, 
they put up a cool front and act like they're not interested. They want to know. And if you live an authentic Christian life and gently bring it up in a kind of a private setting where it's easy to talk, almost everyone has curiosity and interest. And some people are just waiting for you to ask. So I just want to urge folks on that. And if, can I sneak in one more thing? Yes, absolutely. Um, This is also, for those that want to go next steps and do want further training, uh, this is why Lee Strobel, the author of The Case for Christ Mm -hmm. and so forth, he's been my ministry partner for for forever. And uh, we started the Lee Strobel Center for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics in partnership with Colorado Christian University. And it's online accredited training. You can get an undergraduate degree or a master's degree in these areas. Or we just launched a bunch of inexpensive certificate classes and you can take one or two and just try them and learn this stuff if you you know and those are for people that don't necessarily need college credit but uh if for anyone that wants to learn more about that it's at strobelcenter.com and uh boy we're, we're this thing's new but it's growing like crazy that's so awesome. I highly recommend anyone listening to get the book, check out those websites. Any other ways that people can connect with you, Mark? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not on lots of platforms, but I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, that's how I met you guys, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's just the hard part spelling my name. It's Mark Middle. It's at Mark Middleberg, and Middleberg has got T's. It's the German spelling M I T T E L B E R G. I have a website, markmiddleberg.com. and uh, and again, that book site, uh, ChristianFaithBook.com, uh, is a good place to get a lot more information as well. And, and there's links to order. The book just came out. Uh, contagious faith book so get it and read it you know if you even if you say evangelism's not my deal let me challenge that idea with through this book yeah. read it and see i think you're it's going to launch you on an adventure you just can't imagine yeah i love it and mark thank you so much for being on just as a wealth of wisdom and experience and passion and i love just how practical you are um you always inspire me um, and when you share, you make it seem like anybody can do this. And, and I love it. And friends, I know can. you've been encouraged by this conversation as well. So if this conversation has stirred up any questions for you, please email those to us at evangelism at nam.net. And we'll try to answer those questions or address them on future podcasts. Um, episodes. And we also want to encourage you, if these conversations are a blessing to you, be sure to share them on social media or share them in your context. Uh, If you listen through a podcast platform that has an opportunity to give a rating, uh, like Paul says, hey, five-star ratings, please. Uh, I think he says five-star only, okay? Five-star ratings, please, only. Uh, If you listen on Spotify, go ahead and give uh, this podcast a follow. But we're so thankful for you, Mark. We're so thankful for you, my friend. And listen, friends, we pray that you have a great rest of your day. And especially after this great conversation, please go tell somebody about Jesus. 